Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be with you this afternoon and looking forward to spending the next uh, half an hour to 45 minutes with you. It's just gone 12 minutes past two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Johannesburg. And of course, uh, getting ever closer by the minute to the awesome date of Rosh Hashanah. But um, perhaps today what we'll do is um, chat about all the things you need to know or we should know, um, not necessarily going into the philosophies and the rationale and the reasons, but rather the practical guide for the next few days, um, what we should be doing, what we should be um, involved with, and what we should be um, thinking about making sure that we have ready for Rosh Hashanah come Sunday evening. So, let's just put it into perspective. The lay of the land is as follows. Of course, uh, Shabbat is Shabbat. Shabbat usually is called Shabbat Mavarachim. Um, it is still Shabbat Mavarachim, although we do not bless the new month ourselves. We'll talk about that in a moment. We then go on to Erev Rosh Hashanah, which is Sunday. Sunday evening is Rosh Hashanah itself, as is Monday, Monday evening and Tuesday. Tuesday evening, uh, Rosh Hashanah um, ends. At uh, nightfall, uh, when the usual time for the end of Shabbat equivalent on Tuesday evening. And then next week, Wednesday, is a fast day called Tzom Gedalia, the fast of Gedalia. Let's first talk, therefore, about this upcoming Shabbat. Well, we all know that um, for the next few days, as we have been already for the uh, beginning part of this week, we are involved with the saying of Slichot, Slichus, which are said early in the mornings, every day, um, as they will be again tomorrow, Thursday, as well as Friday. And then again, a much longer Slichot that is said actually on Sunday morning, being that it is Erev Rosh Hashanah. In addition to that, of course, we have the Shabbat that comes up this week. And the Parsha that is read on the Shabbat is always Parshat Nitzavim. Sometimes it is joined together, sometimes it's a double parsha with the next one. Not this year, though, when Nitzavim is read alone. And there's something very important about the reading of that parsha Nitzavim, and that has to do with what we mention in the introduction, and that is the blessing of the new month. Now, we all know that every Shabbat that precedes the advent of a new month, a special prayer is said in Shul, on Shabbat morning, and we call it the Birkat HaChodesh. We're blessing the new month that takes place in uh, shuls all over the world. That's the time where there is an announce, announcement made about the Molid, about the first sighting of the new moon over Jerusalem, of Yerushalayim, Irakodesh. We then have the pronouncement of the actual month, and we then, of course, uh, give a special blessing, a special blessing to ourselves, to each other, to the month itself, to the time itself, to God himself, uh, where a blessing is said, hoping that this will be a month that is filled with all the good and wonderful things that we hope and pray for. There is a unique exception when it comes to the month of Tishrei. Now, the month of Tishrei is the month that we are about to go into come uh, this coming Sunday evening. We enter into the month of Tishrei, and of course, the first two days of Tishrei are celebrated as Rosh Hashanah. Now, it would stand to 
logical, reasonable thought that um, this is, of course, Shabbat Mavarachim. It is the Shabbos on which we bless the new month, and so we should, uh, perhaps more so, on this month than any other. It's not just any month. This is the month of Tishrei. This is the month in which Rosh Hashanah occurs. This is the month in which uh, Yom Kippur occurs. This is the month that is filled with all these wonderful and beautiful things heralding the arrival of a brand new year. And yet, we're told that this month we do not actually pronounce that blessing. We don't announce the month. We don't announce the molid. We don't announce the birth of the new moon over Jerusalem. We do not actually say the blessing for the month of Tishrei. And the reason we're told is because this is the month that Hashem blesses himself. This is a month where... As you may have heard, and it's oft repeated, that the king is in the field. Hashem is uh, really a lot closer to us, a lot more accessible than at any other time of the year. And here Hashem, God Almighty himself, blesses this month. But he doesn't only do that. He empowers us to bless all the other months of the year. We are empowered to become the agents, so to speak, of blessing and to pronounce the blessings on all the other months of the year that lie, lie ahead. And so there is almost a unique double blessing that is given by God Almighty on this coming Shabbat. And that is, number one, the blessing for the month. Number two, the empowerment, the ability to bless all the other months that will lie ahead in the coming year. And therefore, it is not just any Shabbat Mavarachim. And of course, there are many people who have a tradition to say the whole book of Psalms on this Shabbat. Those are still said, but it's just the actual pronouncement of the blessing that is not actually said. We leave that to Almighty God himself, and he says that blessing. Our sages or many um, wise people have questioned what actually is the blessing that Hashem says. And of course, because the Parsha Nitzavim is read on this Shabbat, no matter where you are or what you are, or no matter how the uh, the dates actually fall out, Nitzavim is always read on the Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah. And Nitzavim means standing firm. If you stand and when you stand firm together, all of you, all people, all Jews, and we're talking about standing firm and together on the day of judgment, which is Rosh Hashanah, when we stand together on the day of judgment, that in itself is what merits this great blessing. That is what actually draws down the bracha, the blessing from Hashem, for the month as well as the blessing to bless all the other months of the year. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So then, uh, after Shabbat, we head into Erev Rosh Hashanah. So Shabbat takes its course, and uh, when it ends, we are already into Erev Rosh Hashanah, the eve of Rosh Hashanah. Sunday, being Erev Rosh Hashanah, there is a long slichas that is said in the morning, slichot, penitential prayers, said early in the morning, uh, followed by shachrit, and that is then followed by what is known as Hatarat Nadarim, Hataras Nadarim, where uh, people get together in groups, um, hopefully sitting in front of a Beth Din of uh, 10 people who exonerate you or should exonerate you of your um, vows and oaths that you may have made inadvertently um, along the way during this past year. And of course, that's not um, a promise to pay somebody back and it's not a promise um, to actually pay your bills or uh, <coughs> the rent that you have to pay, etc. It is Nadarim, it is oaths that you may have made between 
between yourself and God, between yourself and yourself, such as um, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do that again. I will uh, always be uh, kind and good and so on. And unfortunately, we can't always keep up with those things. And in case those are deemed to have been oaths, we don't want to go into the year with extra baggage and we get all of those properly annulled. Uh, before a Beth Din and uh, we constitute a Beth Din with three or more people um, in the shul um, during or following after a shachrit on Sunday morning and uh, that then relieves us relieves us hopefully of another burden um, in going into Rosh Hashanah on um, Sunday during the day one should um, Preferably, if possible, um, spend time in doing um, tshuva, in repentance, in return, in thinking about all the things that one should be uh, thinking about on Erev Rosh Hashanah, which includes, if possible, visiting the graves of the departed, visiting righteous people, visiting um, parents, etc. Um, on Erev Rosh Hashanah, that is something that should be done before Rosh Hashanah, preferably, although a lot of people kind of have it in their minds that it's something linked with uh, Yom Kippur, but it's preferable that that is done before Rosh Hashanah, and Sunday would be an appropriate day then to do that. As we go into Rosh Hashanah, we need to remember, <coughs> especially um, women, need to remember that candles need to be lit by the right time um, on Erev Rosh Hashanah, and they would need to light a um, a flame that is going to be able to burn through to be able to light your candles on the second night from an existing flame. You may not strike a match or light a fire um, from nothing. On um, um, on the second night of Yom Tov, on the second night of Rosh Hashanah, and therefore, or, or any of the Yomim Tovim, but of course Rosh Hashanah coming up, we need to make sure that we have a, a candle burning that we can light from on the second night. So that needs to be prepared. We should always also then prepare all the foods and all the things that are necessary for the Rosh Hashanah meal. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, but... Um, the main thing of Erev Rosh Hashanah is to get ourselves ready for the Chag. It is preferable, if people can, that um, one should visit, um, uh, men should visit a mikveh uh, before Rosh Hashanah if possible, um, as well as, of course, before Yom Kippur, where um, more people seem to know about it, but Rosh Hashanah is also appropriate to um, um, get rid of, to wash away, to cleanse um, any of the spiritual blemishes that we may have upon ourselves, and, um, of course, the mikveh. Immersing in a mikveh would um, do that. So let's perhaps go through um, what most people regard as um, very important when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. And let's talk about the foodstuffs. Let's talk about the foods that we eat on Rosh Hashanah. We'll come to the prayers and shofar and all of those things a little bit later on. But when it comes to the foods, because we've got to prepare them, of course, before. We need to make sure that we have... Um, chalot, we have chalas, we have kitkas, as uh, many people call them, um, and um, it is traditional to have round chalas, and uh, the round chala very often dotted with raisins um, to make it just a little bit extra sweet is actually um, eaten um, on Rosh Hashanah with the idea of the cycle of life, the roundness of the year, the fact that um, um, what uh, seems to be at the top can sometimes turn to be at the bottom, and we hope that what is at the bottom turns to be at the top, um, all the symbolic things of the round chalas. We also need to prepare for the first night of Rosh Hashanah, apples, 
and honey. Now, it should be sweet apples that are dipped into honey at the first night uh, Rosh Hashanah table. It is not done thereafter. It is only done on the first night. And uh, the uh, reason, of course, for dipping the apple in the honey is that um, the apple itself is a very, very important product from the Almighty. And we know that uh, God and godliness runs through every fruit, but particularly in an apple where, um, in fact, we are told that there is one of the uh, signatures of the Almighty is within every apple. And the apple, therefore, symbolizes the idea that everything that God does is... For our good, but it's not always sweet, and therefore we dip it in honey. And when we dip it in honey on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, we say, um, may it be God's will, that God should grant us Shana Tova Umetuka, not only a good year, but a sweet year. While we know that things are good, we don't always taste the sweetness, and we want to make sure that it's not only good, but that it is also sweet. It was a traditional to have on the um, first night Rosh Hashanah table the head of a fish. Now, it says in Halakha, in Jewish law, that one should have the head of a ram. I don't know how many people are going to um, endeavor to get one and to cook it nicely and to make sure that you have a ram's head on the uh, table. So it's a lot easier to get the head of a fish, to have the head of the fish. And when we look at the f- head of the fish, or we eat a piece of it, a little bite from uh, some of the f- the uh, the fish, that is on that head, we say, um, may God grant us that we should be like a rosh, like a head, and not a zanav, not like a tail. It is also traditional to have pomegranates. Um, pomegranates are a um, special, special fruit, not only a fruit that Israel is blessed with, but in addition to that, the pomegranate, we're told, is full of mitzvahs. It is full of seeds. And the number of seeds in a pomegranate, amazingly, we're told is 613, if anybody has the time and the patience and endeavors to try and count them. But amazingly, pomegranates are said to have 613 seeds. And we hope that just as a pomegranate is as full um, of seeds or is full of seeds, we hope that the year that lies ahead will be full with mitzvahs, with positive things that we are doing and positive things that we are involved with. We also need to prepare for um, the foodstuffs of a new fruit. And a new fruit would not be used on the first night, but the new fruit would be used on the second night. There is a question surrounding the making of the bracha shehechianu on the second night of Rosh Hashanah and on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. And the bracha shechiyanu that we make on the first night and the, uh, on the second night and the second day, um, while it is questionable, but we need to do it when we light the candles, when we make kiddush, as well as when the shofar is blown, we, um, really need to have on the table something else. Just in case that bracha is not really warranted and not really needed, we need to have something else over which that bracha is actually pronounced, over which it is actually said. And therefore it's traditional on the second night of Rosh Hashanah. This doesn't apply to the other Chagim where there is a clear um, debate about which day is actually the Yom Tif. Here with Rosh Hashanah, we talk about Rosh Hashanah being one long day. It is 48 hours or 49 or 50 hours of one long day. And therefore, there is a question as to when um, we're saying 
the Sekemite Sheikhianu, is it actually warranted? Is it a necessary bracha? And therefore we have a new fruit on the table, and the person who's sounding the shofar on the second day should have something new, a new shirt, a new garment, um, on him at the time when he makes the bracha Sheikhianu on behalf of the community, so that it would not be deemed to be a bracha vatola, a blessing that is in fact in vain. There are many, many other traditions of uh, foods that are eaten um, on uh, Rosh Hashanah, but none nearly as important of all of those as all of those that we have mentioned. Um, there is an elaborate array of symbolic foods that are eaten in the Sephardi community. Um, there is the tradition to eat tzimus on Rosh Hashanah, a sweet charis-based dish um, that... Um, and the reason being that the word for carrots, merin, um, can not only only mean carrots, but it also means increase, hoping that we will have a year that is increased in abundance, that we have abundance, that we have abundant blessings, abundant um, cash and abundant things that are uh, good for us in the coming year. Um, so in addition to the pomegranates and to the carrots and so on, there are several other uh, different foods and foodstuffs, but the general course of things we try and eat things on Rosh Hashanah generally that are sweeter rather than sour or uh, tart or um, harif strong. In fact, it is traditional to avoid anything that is um, strong, that has a harif um, taste to it. For instance, um, vinegar-based sharp foods or horseradish. Um, we would try and avoid um, eating that on the Rosh Hashanah, chilies, etc. It is also um, traditional on the Rosh Hashanah to avoid eating nuts. Stay away from nuts. Now, uh, that's probably generally a good idea to keep away from nuts as far as possible. We're talking about euphemistically speaking, of course, but the idea of nuts in the, of the edible type when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, we try and avoid, and the reason being that the word, the Hebrew word for a nut, um, is uh, similar in numerical form to the word chet, which means sin, and that's how far we want to stay away from sin on this day. There's also the idea that um, we're going to be spending quite a long time uh, davening and so on, and anybody who has ever used their voice or ever had to get up to sing or to speak will know that when you have eaten nuts, it creates uh, sometimes a little irritation in the back of the throat, um, and uh, we should try and avoid that because it's going to irritate you in the day of your davening and your prayers on Rosh Hashanah um, on, during the days. And, of course, we wouldn't want that. So, so much for the foodstuffs for Rosh Hashanah. What else is important for us to know for this special Chag that is coming up? Well, let's begin at the beginning. As we end our prayer service, our Mayriv, on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, there is a tradition that as we're leaving shul, there is one statement that is made only on that night, and that is that we wish each other uh, to be blessed with a year in which you are written and sealed in uh, the good books. And it is pronounced, you'll see it at the end of your um, evening service um, in most Machzorim. It actually says the statement that we're supposed to say. If you can't say it in the Hebrew, we should say it in English or any other language that we speak. Um, wishing each other, wishing your friends, wishing your family, that they should be written and sealed for a good life in the coming year. 
And the uh, reason that we don't say it any time thereafter is because it is our firm belief that um, that then is already done. And it could be taken to be a little bit of an insult if you actually say to somebody after the first night of Rosh Hashanah, I hope that you're written into the good books. Well, it's kind of suspecting the fact that they haven't yet been written into the good books. So it's a one-off um, traditional greeting that is given on leaving shul on the first night of Rosh Hashanah and the first night of Rosh Hashanah only. Interesting thing is that we refer to Rosh Hashanah and our blessings, both when you light the candles, as well as, for instance, in the Birkat Amazon, in our uh, uh, Grace After Meals and so on. We do not refer to Rosh Hashanah as Rosh Hashanah. We call it Yom Hazikaron. We did chat about that a little bit last week, but basically we are needing to remind ourselves. It's a day of reminders. It's a day of memory. It's a day of Reminding ourselves of exactly who we are and at the same time reminding God of who we are and reminding ourselves of our obligations towards, towards the Almighty in proclaiming Him as King and Him um, remembering that not only are we His subjects but that we are His partners in this incredible, incredible operation that we call being Jewish, keeping His Torah and His mitzvot and doing everything that we can to Make this world function and make it a uh, far, far better place on a regular basis. So that is uh, the traditions for the evening of Rosh Hashanah. On the first night, when we um, have sat down to our prayers, the first th- to our meal rather, the first thing that we do is we eat the apple dipped in honey. We've mentioned that already. Uh, we make the bracha bore pre ha'etz because it is most unusual to be eating it then, and we say yehi ratzon may it be God's will. That God should grant us a healthy and a sweet year. And on the second night, we have already made the bracha shechianu, and we would eat the new fruit that we have on the table um, at the beginning of the meal. Um, but um, apples and honey, first night only. We'll talk a little bit more um, about the shofar, about the rest of the things that you need to know for Rosh Hashanah right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. The Rosh Hashanah is just about upon us, and on Sunday and on Monday, the most important part of Rosh Hashanah for everybody to know is to hear the Shofar. In fact, if we take a look at what the Torah itself says about the Rosh Hashanah, it calls it a Yom Truah. It's almost the only thing that the Torah tells us about this special day, and therefore we need to make sure that each and every one of us, men, women, and children, hear the sounds of the shofar, and you should hear a minimum of 30 30 sounds, although a lot more are blown through the duration of the service. And, of course, the shofar is sounded, well, kind of... Midway through the prayers, uh, midway through the morning um, uh, uh, service, um, right after the Torah is read, we sound the shofar, and uh, from then on through Musaf, uh, the additional service, it is sounded all the way to the end of the prayers. But the most important, of course, is that first sounding of the shofar at which everybody should be present. And the mitzvah is not to blow the shofar. The mitzvah is to hear the shofar. So let's try and make sure that we hear those sounds. It's not only good for you. It's good for us. It's good for everybody. It's good for the whole Jewish people. In fact, it's good for the world. If there are people who cannot get to shul to hear the shofar, um, uh, please make sure that you're in touch with Chabad House uh, during the next couple of days in order to uh, facilitate, or try and facilitate that somebody should come around and blow shofar for anybody who is unable 
through ill health or old age or whatever the case may be to get to shul to be able to hear the shofar sounded. The other thing that happens on the afternoon of the first day of Rosh Hashanah is something called Tashlich. Tashlich is that beautiful ceremony where we go to a body of water, preferably a body of water that has fish in it, and we um, literally exonerate ourselves. We cast away our sins, but there is something more to it than that, and that is that we're told that in olden days, in ancient times, And kings were always anointed. They were always appointed, crowned. The coronation of a king took place at a riverside, at a riverbank, symbolizing the flow of the dominion, the flow of the kingship, that uh, the blessing was that just as the river continues to flow, so should his or her kingship and dominion continue to flow, king or queen, um, in the right direction, in the right way, and filled with the abundance, just like the water fills the river. And therefore we go to a river or a body of water where there are fish we cast away our sins we say the prayer that is called tashlich which you will find in the back of your machzor of your rosh hashanah um, uh, prayer book and there we say that prayer um, with the fish present um, and um, hopefully um, we will be not only exonerated but at the same time accepted as the almighty subjects as we once again pronounce him crown him as king Of course, there are a lot of prayers that are said on Rosh Hashanah, and it's uh, not to belittle them in any way. Um, While we say that the most important part of the prayer service is the sound of the shofar, there are many important prayers that are said and many important parts of the prayer service that are said on Rosh Hashanah. And we know that the Torah readings are significant as well. On the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we read about the birth of Isaac, the miraculous birth of Isaac, Yitzchak, our forefather, and on the second day, we read about the Akedah, the Akedah Yitzchak, the time when Hashem instructed um, um, Abraham to take his son, to take Yitzchak, and um, offer him up on the mountain. Akedah Yitzchak as a, a very significant moment in Jewish history, showing the adherence of um, Jews, of uh, Avraham Avinu, of Abraham, of Yitzhak Avinu, of Isaac, to whatever it was that Hashem wanted from them. And we remind God on this special day that we are their descendants. We are just like them, and we too will do anything for the Almighty. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. At the end of Rosh Hashanah, which will be on Tuesday evening, we say Havdalah. Havdalah is not said over a candle or a spices. That is only reserved for the end of Shabbat. Um, but the uh, concluding prayer of the Chag of the festival is the Havdalah prayer, uh, which is said over a cup of wine. Um, the differentiation between um, Shabbat or, or uh, Yom Tov and weekdays is pronounced, is said. And then on Wednesday of next week is Tzom Gedalia, the fast of Gedalia. And we'll talk a little bit more about that hopefully next week on our program. But uh, bear in mind that it is a fast day, the day after Rosh Hashanah. Many say that the reason why we fast on the day after Rosh Hashanah is not only because a man by the name of Gedalia was assassinated on the Rosh Hashanah. It led to all sorts of horrendous things that happened to the Jewish people under Roman domination in the times of the Roman occupation of Israel, um, which eventually led to the destruction of the temple. But in fact, 
it was um, it's also because uh, perhaps just perhaps we may over Rosh Hashanah have overindulged just a little bit got too involved uh, perhaps in the uh, foodie part of uh, Rosh Hashanah and, and perhaps we'll need to work off a little bit of that and uh, redirect ourselves back into what are known as the Aseret Yemei Tshuva we've got to remember that these 10 days of repentance as they're called actually begin with Rosh Hashanah and they end with Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are included. And then immediately after Rosh Hashanah, we go into seven days. Seven days, one exact week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, on which there is a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Shabbos, a Sunday, a Monday, and a Tuesday for us to be able to really do tshuva, to repent, to think about the year that has passed and hopefully bless every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbat, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of the year that lies ahead. I want to end by wishing you all a Shana Tova Umatuka, a happy, a healthy, and a sweet new year. Please, God, each and every one of you, every, each and every one of us, the whole Jewish people and people everywhere should be blessed with everything that is good in the coming year. Not only good, but hopefully also sweet. And that, please, God, we should um, see the ultimate of all the blessings. Hopefully, it'll be a year of abundant blessings. But the ultimate of all the blessings, please, God, the coming of Mashiach speedily in our time. I wish you well. Look forward to being back with you. Same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.